handsome Gary's just here in case I, once in a while I lose my words. So he'll just help me if I get confused because he's so kind. Um, I'm going to talk about car accidents today. So I don't know if there's anybody here who that's going to bother, but I just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to be talking about that in case there's someone here who is not going to want to hear that. Um, I just want to pray for a second before I start. Lord, I just pray that this morning as I share this story that if there's anything I share that's not helpful to someone here that we just pray the Teflon prayer for them, Lord, that it wouldn't stick to them and they would leave it here. Jesus, we just pray that it would be an encouragement and that some of these things may be hard to hear, Lord. We just pray that you would you would just bring them to the right ears this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to share with you Psalm 88. O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried to you for help. By day and night I am in your presence. Let my prayer come before you and really enter into your presence. Incline your ear to my cry. For I am full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol, the place of the dead. I am counted among those who go down into the pit, the grave. I am like the man who has no help or strength, a mere shadow. Cast away among the dead, like the slain that lie in a nameless grave, whom you seriously remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the depths of the lowest pit, in the darkness, in the deeps. I know this is dark. It, it'll, we'll, we'll, it'll get cheery by the end, okay? Your wrath lies hard upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Selah, pause and calmly think of that. You have put my familiar friends far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. My eye grows dim because of sorrow and affliction, Lord. I have called daily on you. I have spread forth my hands to you. Will you show wonders to the dead? Shall the departed rise and praise you? Selah, pause and calmly think of that. Shall your steadfast love be declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Sheol? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the place of forgetfulness where the dead forget and are forgotten? But to you, O Lord, I cry, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer come to meet you. Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide me, your face from me? I was afflicted and close to death from my youth up. While I suffer your terrors, I am distracted. Your fierce wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They surround me like a flood all day long. Together they have closed in upon me. Lover and friend have you put far from me. My familiar friends are darkness and the grave. Whew. I know you probably came to church hoping for some sunshine and rainbows and joy and unicorns. So that's not that, I know. But um, I'm really thankful that in the Bible we do have things like this because sometimes we do go through struggle and... We need points in the Bible, I think, to relate to that are not perfect people. Um, so uh, I'm going to tell you a couple stories. So in 2016, Gary and I were on the way home from buying our house when um, we were driving through a traffic light and we had the right of way. And a young man turned left in front of us. Did I tell that right? And uh, crashed into us. So I um, 
got an injury from an airbag from that incident. And Superman got no injuries. You'll notice a theme here as we go on. Um, <laughs> so uh, that, that incident was not fun, obviously, but a physical injury. And then several months later, in March, um, we lived in a house where we had a basement suite. So there was a young woman who rented that suite from us, and the suite was below our bedroom. So uh, one night she was having a party, and Gary kept going down to say, be quiet, because they were really noisy. And then he told them to take the party somewhere else. And instead of uh, reversing her car out of the driveway, she drove it into our house. So um, again, Superman had no injuries. Um, but the next day after that happened, I had a lot of challenges. I had trouble reading. I had trouble talking. I had trouble homeschooling the kids. I just, I couldn't quite understand what was wrong. So in comparison of those two incidents, the first one was challenging, but the second one was life-changing because it meant that um, everything I had to do was challenging. So I don't know if there's anybody here who struggled with mental health or eventually I was diagnosed with um, general anxiety disorder and PTSD as a result of a motor vehicle accident. But when you're in the middle of that, you don't quite understand what's happening. You don't quite understand how to ask for help. So I know there's probably people here who are struggling with hard times. So the point of me sharing this isn't so that you can feel sorry for me and have a pity party. <laughs> um, the point is just to encourage you that if you're going through a hard time, like grief or something like that, that God is so present during those times. And for me, he was just constantly with me all the time. And I would have to pray every morning when I got up. Like, I would have to just pray, hey, God, help me to get dressed. Okay, help me to homeschool the kids. Help me to do each thing. So the advantage of that is that God's presence is so constant with you all the time is that you just get such a close relationship with him. And God is just so good to supply your needs, even in hard times. So I couldn't, I couldn't really read the Bible for a while, and I couldn't really... Worship was challenging, but I could just pray, okay, God, help. Sometimes that was all it was, just help. And he was there during that time. So... Um, I just wanted to encourage anyone who's going through a tough time that God really does care about you and um, he's here for you. And so are the people in this church. I've seen so much in this church that people come around each other in times of need. And that's one of the things that really helped me at that time was we had some friends who would call us up and just say, come over for dinner. And I would say, I don't think I can talk. And they would say, that's okay. Just come anyway. So I would just go sit in the corner. Sometimes their three-year-old would hop on my lap and just be in the room and have dinner with them. 
and just be able to be participating and just feel valued and loved even though I didn't have it all together. So none of us have it all together, even though maybe it looks like it on Sundays when we're dressed the right way and we look like we're smell good and look good. Surprise, we don't have it all together. Well, we, we don't. Maybe other people here do, but. Um, yeah, and then they would sometimes call me up and they would say, uh, come over for dinner. And I would say, I don't think I can. And then they would say, that's OK. We'll bring dinner to you. And they would pack up all the food and bring it to our house. So that was just a big show of caring for me at that time. And we had a lot of kids, so it wasn't a little bit of food. Um, just how to love people in times of challenge. And I think that's still tricky for me when I'm on the other side of that, is we want to fix everything for everybody. It's hard to just sit still and love people in those times, but they really did that for me. So um, just a couple more things I want to share. Uh, one is there was a time when I had to make a choice between just sitting in the bedroom all the time or choosing to go out with other people and knowing that I would probably be embarrassing. Like I probably would get my words mixed up or I probably would stop mid-sentence or I probably would do what else? What else would I do? <laughs> do something that would be awkward or hard. But I had to pick whether or not to go out and be uncomfortable or to not go out. And there were other people in the same situation I was in who chose not to. So I, I'm not sure why I'm supposed to share that today. But just to encourage you, if you're in that situation, trying to make that hard choice to know that as a church, we're pulling for you and praying for you. And the other, the other thing I would say as an encouragement is just that the only way I know how to explain it is it's kind of cheesy in church language, but when you're in those difficult times and the only thing you can do is cry out to God, just that your relationship with him gets so close, the only way I can explain it is just that the veil gets thinner between you and God. And that opportunity to have a relationship with him is just so valuable. Um, just to be able to know that no matter what happens, uh, he's constant and he's good. And the advantage of living through something really hard is that you know that God is real and um, close to you. So, so I hope I hope that can be an encouragement today. I just felt like God was impressing on me to share. So, um, my I I was wrestling over it for a while, but then my daughter shared at church camp. She did such a good job. I was like, oh shoot, now I got to do it. Um, <laughs> so thank you for listening. Hope it encouragement to someone. Thank you so much, Caroline. God does have plans.
God knows what's going on in our lives, even in the hard things. Um, it's, I knew that Caroline was going to be sharing this morning. I didn't know exactly all of the content of what she's sharing, but I see the hand of God in bringing her to share with us here this morning in light of what we are going to be um, looking at in this passage here in Mark. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 12, and uh, we're going to start reading uh, at verse 38 eventually. Let's just, uh, while you're turning, let me just pray for Caroline and pray for our time here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the fact that no matter what we go through, no matter the darkness, no matter the sadness, no matter the sorrow, no matter the pain, no matter the sacrifice, that, that you are there with us. I love that uh, psalm of David, that, that, that even in the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. That You guide us. That you feed and nurture us, even when we're surrounded by enemies. There you are. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say to us today. So I pray that you would speak clearly. That you, would, that you would accomplish your purposes here in our hearts and in our lives this morning. Father, I thank you for uh, the way that you have been faithful in Caroline's life. And I know that the struggle continues. And so we pray for her this, this morning, Lord, that you would continue to thin out that veil. That as she... Uh, faces ongoing struggles, uh, that she would know your presence more and more, that she would walk that much more closely with you, that, that she would recognize your voice more clearly in and around her. And that in that, she would find your joy and your hope. So I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the joys of being a dad, especially of sons, but not only of sons, is that sometimes you get an opportunity to coach. And I've had that opportunity uh, to do some coaching at different times. Uh, I was a soccer coach for a while for uh, a young bunch of young guys uh, that were in our community and uh, had all kinds of fun uh, doing that with them, doing that coaching with them. One year, one season, I had a young guy come up to me and say that he wanted to play goal. That was a bit of a shock because every other year that I've ever played or I've ever been involved, it's like pulling teeth to get somebody to stand in between the pipes, right? Because, because all of the pressure is there. Uh, the, the potential of getting hurt is really, really high. Uh, nobody ever wants to play goal. So I was very surprised and I was very encouraged that this young man wanted to play goalkeeper. His parents had gone out of their way in the offseason and they had got him all of the fancy gloves. He had the gold jersey that had the little extra padding on the elbows and stuff so that he wouldn't get hurt as he would be diving across trying to save the ball. Um, and, and he was all decked out. He looked like a goalie. 
The problem was, what I soon discovered, was the reason that he was motivated to play goalie was partly because he thought that was the glory position that everybody would love him because he saved the day. And so he was looking for the accolades that would come from being a goalie. Probably more importantly to him, the reason that he wanted to play goalie was he didn't like to run. (laughs) And he figured a goalie just has to stay in one spot, right? So not only in the games he wouldn't have to run, but somehow he had figured that in practices he wouldn't have to run either because there would be no need for conditioning and all the rest of that kind of stuff that goes with playing soccer. And he could just stand between the pipes and stop the ball and get all of the glory. He, he looked like a goalie, um, but he didn't have the attitude. He was there for all of the wrong reasons. Um, things didn't go well. There was another young man on that same team Um, who was willing to play goalie. Uh, But he had a very different attitude. Um, He he wanted to play goalie because he really felt that he could contribute to the team in that position. He was a a larger guy, uh, taller and everything else. and, And he felt that he could do really well. And he was motivated to play that position very well. And so he was all involved in the conditioning and the running and, and the, the workouts so that he would be able to develop his skills in being able to be a really excellent goalkeeper. Completely different kind of a situation. He gave everything he had into that position. Can you guess who got to play goalie more often? <laughs> uh, The account here in Mark's gospel gives us a similar kind of a contrast between some who had an attitude of of following God because of what it would get them and somebody else who was just desperate for the presence of God and gave everything they had into his hands. Let's start reading here Mark chapter 12 and verse 38. And in Jesus' teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and to have the the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. Those who devour widows' houses for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And then he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. But a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make just a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, This poor widow widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything 
she had. All she had to live on. You see, if we are to follow Jesus, we need to give everything that we have into his hands. That's the only way to be able to follow. Now, there are people who, like the, the scribes and the Pharisees, are all about the accolades. They're all about the attention that they get by doing the things that, uh, that, that look like they are followers of Jesus in order to be able to build themselves up, to fill up their own lives. But Jesus is calling us to a much deeper kind of relationship, a much, a much fuller kind of commitment, a much more complete sacrifice if we are to follow him. He highlights this, this poor widow who, he says, put in everything that she had, even all that she had to live on. See, when we put ourselves into the hands of Jesus, when we put everything that we have into his hands, he is able to take that and accomplish far greater than anything we might be able to imagine on our own. What, is, what does this mean? It, it, it's more than just about our money. That, that's the context of what Jesus is, is talking about here. And certainly it is about our money, how we would use our resources in, in, uh, in, in the life that we give and being able to serve God. That's, that's why one of the reasons why uh, I kind of try and stray away from talking about people giving their tithes. Because tithe is speaking about a 10%. Speaking about a portion that we would bring to, to give to God. But God is calling for so much more. That we would put everything that we have in his hands. And now that doesn't mean that I'm expecting that you're going to give everything that you have to the church. Uh, my anticipation is that everything that you have is, is laid before Christ to be used for his glory and for his kingdom as he leads and guides you. Whether that would be giving to the church, whether that would be giving to needy people in our community, whether that would be giving to uh, missions across the seas like Sharmila or others that are out there that are doing good works. The Lord has blessed you with those resources for a reason. And he is calling you to use those for his glory. And he will guide you in how you should use those. It is putting everything in his hands. It's not just our money, though. It's our time as well. How we schedule our day, how we allow different things to, to creep into our lives, to, to take our focus away. Are we putting all of our time and all of our efforts into the hands of Christ to be used by him, just like this poor widow did? Even though we might be limited in what we can do. For those that, that are, are young and active, there's so much more that they're able to accomplish. Whether those who, who have uh, sickness, that, that uh, their joints don't move the way that they used to, that there is more of a limit of what they're able to contribute. But even in that little, 
God is calling you to put everything that you have in front of him to be used by him. Now, does that mean that I expect everybody to come to church every day throughout the week to, to clean and do it all? No, it's not about doing stuff in the church. It's about every day in your life, whether you are at work, whether you are out on the soccer field, whether you are out for dinner uh, with family or friends, in whatever that you're doing, that you lay that time before Christ. To be used by Him. So that the choices and decisions that you're making, the, the ways that you interact with different people, the relationships that you have, would bring honor and glory to Him, would accomplish the purposes that He has put you here on this earth for. Uh, speaking of relationships, Christ is calling you to put all of your relationships in His hands. That's hard. Because I know that, 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 that even in, in good marriages, in, in, in healthy families, there is a huge draw to act selfishly. That, that often we feel justified in, in standing up and defending our rights against those that are putting different kinds of demands and pressures on us. Are you willing to put your marriage into the hands of Christ to, to deal with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings, with your extended family in the way that God is calling you to rather than what is, seems best for you to do? Jesus is asking that you put everything in his hands to be used and to be, uh, uh, to be a part of the way that he is orchestrating his plans and purposes in and through you. The problem is, putting everything that you have into Jesus' hands is dangerous. Because he is going to ask you to do far more than what you think you are comfortable with. He is going to call you to sacrifice far more than what you think you are able to sacrifice. I mean, you look at the apostles. The majority of them lost their lives because they put everything that they had into Jesus' hands. And by faith followed him no matter where it would take them. Uh, you look at people around the world today, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are starving because of their faith, who are persecuted, who are being attacked, who are being maligned because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Putting everything that you have into the hands of Jesus is dangerous. But putting everything that you have into the hands of Jesus is absolutely worth every sacrifice, every pain, every loss, every sorrow that you might come across, that you might be enduring. 
It is, it is far more, uh, more valuable than anything that you might be able to experience. I, I look back at <laughs> those two goalies, those two soccer players that I tried to coach. I don't know where they are today, but I know that that one poser soccer player didn't last very long. He eventually quit because he realized the demands of the sport were far more than what he was willing to give. He didn't have any joy in the game. He didn't see it as the beautiful game anymore because it it cost too much for him. The other one, I don't know where he is today, but he loved the game. He got so much more out of it because he put so much more into the game. Because he was willing to sacrifice his comfort. Because he was willing to to invest his efforts. The game took on a far different meaning, a different experience for him than, than the other. See, When we put everything that we have into the hands of Jesus, we are living out the very purpose for which we were created. That's exactly where God wants us to be, and that's exactly where we need to be in order to be able to experience life in all of its fullness. Jesus is our example. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, Paul encourages us to follow the example of Jesus who humbled himself and became a servant even to the point of death, a death on the cross. That That he is our example. We then jump over to Hebrews chapter 12 which says that, that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That the joy that he saw that was in the future, that was coming his way through this faithful obedience to the call of the Father to sacrifice himself, far outweighed any of the pain and the sorrow and the sacrifice that he was going to endure there on the cross, dying for our sins. What do you think that joy was that motivated Jesus' sacrifice? I think there's lots of things that we could imagine would be the joy. But I am convinced that the joy of which the Hebrews author is speaking is the joy that Jesus had by having a a relationship reestablished with us. That when he looked at what it would cost, he willingly paid that price because of his love for you. The fact that, that through his sacrifice, that you could once again be reunited with him that you could walk with Him, that you could live out the purposes for which He has created you. 
That's the joy that God has set before Christ. That's the joy that we have experienced. And I love the fact that, that, that uh, Caroline was talking about how, uh, describing it as the veil thinning. That when we put everything that we have into the hands of Jesus, even though there is a cost associated with it, even though there is a, a price that we pay, there, are, there is suffering and sorrow that comes through that, the joy that we experience is to be in the presence of Jesus. To have that relationship of walking with Him moment by moment, day by day. Of knowing Him better. Of, of experiencing that that intimacy that we would never have if we held him at arm's length and, and continued to go about in our posing kind of way. So what about you? Christ is calling you today to put everything that you have all of your, your wealth, all of your material things, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your relationships, all of your reputation. That you would put all of that into His hands. Let me encourage you. Even though that path seems dangerous even though that path seems full of of sacrifice and sorrow let me encourage you that there is no better path that you would walk in your life there is no greater joy that you will ever experience than being able to walk in the presence of your lord and your Savior, your Creator, the perfect one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus is asking a lot of us. And it's so easy to say the words, but very much harder to live out that reality. Lord, I pray that you would help us get a taste of that joy. That joy of your presence, of walking closely with you, of knowing your voice speaking into our lives, to, to feel your hand leading and guiding, uh, to experience your strength holding us up in the midst of difficult times, and to be flooded with your love in our lives. Lord, would you, would you help us to go beyond just saying the words? but actually living out that commitment that we would choose to follow you.
that we would choose to put everything that we have into your hands. We need your strength. We need your spirit to, to empower us to live that out. Would you do that in our lives today? Amen.